Noodles and butter, noodles and butter. You are my favorite treat. Noodles and butter, there is no other. Nothing Welcome else. Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. We're coming to you live from downtown Seattle with a lively audience. Uh, we're in the beautiful Hotel Andra at Fourth and Virginia. And uh, we are excited to be here. I know the owner of the hotel is in France right now. He keeps sending me pictures of dinners and wines and probably in, like, in Nice. Dude, lay in off. Nice, in Nice, he has a place. He's in, in nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, he's got a place in Nice. So, looking forward to seeing him again on the on the golf course. You have many joints Chef around Thierry town. Chef Thierry is back from last week's uh, jaunt to Wyoming. That's right. It was a beautiful drive, and we live in one of the most beautiful country in the world. I can't tell you one thing about the country, though. It's big. It's big. It's when you're driving sure. through Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, you feel very small. Yeah. You feel very small. Those mountains that are giant are far away, and the plains are absolutely magnificent. But yeah. even cooler was the clouds in Montana and Wyoming. But you can see them for miles, right? It's, yeah. it's just like unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it changes on a minute now, basis. And I asked you to do one thing on your way to Wyoming. And I did. I, uh, did you wave to the... I did. I'm to part all owner of, of a buffalo ranch, Rome Free Ranch in Montana. Did you wave and say hello? Just so you know, every ranch I saw, and my wife can vouch to that, every ranch I saw, I thought, oh, this might be Tom. So I waved. <laughs> <laughs> so all of them got it. And did the buffalo kind of wink back at you as you drove by? No, no nobody winked. Nobody winked. Uh, you can uh, buy tickets to our show. A lot of people did today. We have a lot of guests today. Uh, uh, you can buy tickets to our show at hotstovesociety.com. We tape generally on Thursday mornings, and we are live on YouTube. Go to tomdouglasandco.com, and you can find our channel on YouTube. If you can't make the radio show, we have uh, great classes coming up. The July 14th is pho. Broth soup oh, dumplings. I should be here for that, except it's Bastille I Day. I love those. I love those, yeah. Also, on the 15th, we have a coconut cream pie class. We have those about once every other month or so. 21st of July, uh, drink like a Venetian with Bridget and Julie. And July 29th, uh, edible art, colorful pasta. You know, uh, Bridget, uh, who's one of the chefs, teaching chefs here, makes that beautiful kind of colored layered pasta that uh-huh. you see in stores sometimes, and you wonder, sure. how do they do that, you know? She makes that kind of pasta, so That's cool. we're going to do a class on that. Today's show consists of so much fun. We have uh, Charlie's Produce with us today to talk about their brand, Yumi, Y-U-M-I, uh, and uh, delicious cherries that are being packed under that brand right now. Kalista Weisbach here is winner of the Mother's Day uh, staycation here in Seattle. Uh, we're going to talk to her for a minute about uh, her story. Uh, she, just take a second. You, you're not too shy, are you? No, she says no. Uh, our new series of Northwest Produce in partnership with Charlie's is called Cultivating Fresh. So uh, Laura Severance is here to share some juicy details about that. John Janker, Senior Vice President of Procurement, is going to be here with us also. Redmond restaurateur Sabrina Kim is here to talk about her new Korean lunch spot, Daobop. 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 She'll educate us. Yeah. Uh, hello, Robin Baker in Chief. Robin Martin checks in to talk about cookies and the Capitol Hill hotspots, which there are many. And, of course, we're going to have our end of our show today. Uh, we're going to play Rub with Love, Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia. Oh Pam and I need a moment of silence. Yes. Yes, we need a moment of silence for Theo Chocolate. Our investment went kaput this morning in the Seattle <laughs> it, Times, it, it looks ev- like. It evaporated. It evaporated. Oh, I thought you got bought. It did get bought. It merged. Unfortunately, the, the guy who bought it didn't pay us for our shares. They just got our shares. So This is a brutal ending. It's a brutal ending to a long chapter of deliciousness. 
uh, and some employment time for Pamela, just an investment, one of my many that have gone sideways. <laughs> you know, Pam got me involved in Red Hook Brewery, too. That, that, we know what happened to that investment. <laughs> so the, the moral of the story is when Pam says, wow, you should think about investing in this project. Pam. I'm waiting for you to advise me on some investment. Okay, okay. I'll My do suggestion it. is continue to wait. <laughs> continue to wait. Uh, chef, I know you had a trip to Wyoming. Do you have a taste of the week that yes, you, I do. you want to share? In with uh, us? Bozeman, Montana, I had a bison burger. Uh huh. And that was. Was it I, one of my bison? Yes, of course it was. Okay. I'm sure it was. Well, it was, if it was, it was probably Fred, delicious. Fred was the name. <laughs> Fred the bison. I had a bison burger. Uh, and that was really uh, super, super lean meat. I found that to be uh, extremely clean, delicious, and fin- the finish is very non-obtrusive and non Is it minerally? A little bit, not livery, but yes, a little bit minerally. Because you know, like those cuts in beef that are more radish, so they have more blood content. They Correct. can come off livery or mineral, uh, more mineral, like the uh, flat iron steak or, correct. or things. That's, that's what it reminds me of, yeah. of a good piece of meat, uh-huh. what I call a good piece of meat. Right. Something with flavor, but not wandering flavor, like you're going, what am I eating? It was de- absolutely delicious. And uh, I had it very simply, tomato, lettuce, a little uh, mayo, mustard, uh-huh. very simple, no cheese. No cheese. No cheese. Have you ever seen a bison say cheese? <laughs> I've seen people gored by bison trying to say yeah, cheese. Again. Exactly. Oh, let me take a picture with the bison. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah, say, nice looking bison. Say cheese and you're going to look like Gruyere in a minute. It was absolutely delicious. That's all I want to say. My taste of the week is cherries. Huh. So I was over at Prosser uh, and our neighbors have this uh, tons of cherries. The one has a 700 tree orchard and oh there's cherries are being picked across the valley and our cherries are ready. We made sour cherry and Bing cherry jam yesterday from uh-huh. from the sour cherries uh, from the cherries we picked from our own trees. Uh, but cherries are everywhere. If you want to take an excursion, uh, now would be the time because so many places aren't picking because there's so many cherries this year. Oh boy! So we yep. were in a 700 acre plot, and you look up, and there's mountains of beautiful Rainier cherries on these trees, and. You know, they've got a lot invested. They did all this uh, the summer fall pruning. They did all the work that it takes to get to, the, yeah, to this spot, yeah. the irrigation, and they can't pick. So support your local farmers and buy some cherries. Anyway, you just reached up. The taste was, I, we reached up, and, and Alfredo was there with, with us, and he said, go for the highest cherries in the tree. Uh, there's the least amount on each cluster. And they're the more intensely fa- flavored cherries. Right, right. And because there's less on the cluster, they ripen better. And so we went up and we reached as high as we could and got some single Rainier cherries off the top of the tree. And these guys were loaded. I mean, right, you right. could have picked a 1,000 pounds of cherries off of one tree. Wow. Uh, it felt like. Anyway, got them up. They're still warm from the sun. Oh, my God. It was like the summertime when you get those. When you go to pick the peaches and they're still warm, and by the time you even get them to your mouth, the juice is dripping down your forearm, right? It's another thing about cherries. Don't refrigerate them. Leave them on your countertop. Well, that's easy to say, Chef, but they're coming out of 100-degree heat. They have to get chilled down a little a bit. A little bit at the beginning, but yeah. just put them in your basement. Don't put them in the fridge. The fridge just kills it, kills the sugar. I don't know, Chef. I brought over 300 pounds of cherries. <laughs> <laughs> well, They're I'm in the refrigerator you right got a distribution now. problem. <laughs> you should talk to Charlie. Exactly. I'm glad we have some cherry experts to I know help coming us. up we're going to talk about this even further. Exactly. Uh, because uh, we love cherries here, and 
We're going to talk about the Yumi brand, which you're going to see in your local grocery store. You're in the Hot Stove Society kitchen on Cairo. Thank you for joining us. Uh, have a good time. It's uh, 97.3 FM. When my baby cooks her eggplant, she don't read no book. She's got a geoconda kind of dirty look. You're back in the Hot Stove Society kitchen on Cairo. We're having a blast here, and we're eating cherries, both Rainier's or Queen Anne's, some people call them, and Bing cherries. Uh, these are Bing's, right? Not Vans or anything like that. Yeah, mostly Bing's right mostly now. Mostly Bing's. We were picking Vans over at Chinook Winery. Nice. Uh, and uh, they were in full chorus. The flavors were awesome. Uh, John uh, Janker is here, and Laura Severance, our friends from Charlie's Produce, for two segments. John's going to let's uh, let's get started with you. You sure. are the buyer. What tell us what you do at Charlie's Produce? It's such a huge company. I play golf with Charlie, and uh, it's amazing how many different places he runs his business from. Definitely, he does that. Yeah, he's he's there one way or the other. Right. Uh, my title is the Senior Vice President of Procurement. Uh-huh. Um, have multiple buyers throughout all of our divisions uh, on the West Coast. Uh, my job role primarily today is more around creating programs, working with our growers, understanding what type of product mixes are up and coming, and ensuring that we got the best uh, partners that we have out there that we possibly can find. So at a company like Charlie's, um, when you have a cherry crop, do you have a like a particular cherry buyer? Just uh, that that's all they do? Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't say that's all they do. In most of our divisions, we our buyers will have a assortment of product mixes that they procure. Uh-huh. We try to keep that in line with, you know, we don't have wet veg guys doing stone fruit, for instance. You know, so if a stone fruit uh, buyer is buying cherries and apricots, you know, they're consistently dealing with the same type of vendors, uh-huh. and so you create those relationships and partnerships that are really important in our business. And they tend to understand their product mix uh, very well as, uh, along the way. Right. And oftentimes those, those uh, growers grow a variety of crops so that they have their season extends throughout the whole year, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, this cherry guy often is a peach guy also. Yeah, typically more in the category, though, stone fruit versus row crops or wet veg and things uh-huh. like that. And versus apples? Uh, apples, many apple growers here in the Northwest particularly, are also a lot of stone fruit growers too. And you were just over there checking out, uh, for the, your brand Yumi, you were just over there checking out cherries in the Wenatchee area. Yeah, we're real fortunate, beautiful day out. Uh, Laura and her marketing team and I went over and saw our, 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 one of our growers actually uh-huh. packing the product. We wanted to get some footage of that. Uh, got a chance to go out to Lake Chelan and see what, one of the owners of the company's um, uh, orchard actually uh-huh. in production and uh, being picked. So it was a great opportunity. Like you heard you earlier talking about grabbing and eating cherries right oh off of a tree when they're warm. And, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's a great experience. Okay, so tell me this, Batman. I was up trying to reach for the clusters of cherries. And, of course, in the marketplace, stem on is key. Right, that's just part of the look. They just kept coming off in my fingers. I, how do we get? How do they get the stem off and not drop the cherry? Well, that's a that's an art, and, and a lot of those pickers that are in, out there in the fields have been doing that for many many years. Uh-huh. It's a you know a unique way of being able to have quickness because you got to get like the a little volume, twist of the wrist, twist of it, and peeling it off right there where it connects onto the tree. Uh huh. 
Chef, have you ever tried to get cherries off a tree? I, I think I would be in the category with you. I think if you pick ripe cherries, they come right off the stem. So there is a technique to be able to have the stem with it. Uh, definitely that, as well as they come in clumps and clusters, right. as you see. But when you go into the stores and you get your cherries, they're not in those clusters Correct. anymore. So that's a process that goes to the packing facility in the sheds, too, that they're actually cutting those and splitting those up oh, so you don't have... Oh, so that's how they get them off. They take the whole cluster and then much. Uh, it's a secondary... Process to, that to separates the cherries. Ah, that makes more sense to me. I just couldn't figure out yeah. how they could get those off of That there. makes a lot more sense, true. So uh, tell us about the t- uh, types of cherries out there. Uh, there is a cherry that I don't see much, but you see it in like the juices for like tart cherry juice. It's called a, a Montmorency cherry. Do you know that Montmorency. What do you say? Montmorency. It's a town in France. <laughs> So you don't know that, Jerry? No, I, I haven't heard of that one, okay. no. But there are lots of different varietals out there now. Um, they're always cultivating to get, you know, uh, longer seasons, uh, firmer fruit, uh, stuff that's less resistant to some of the diseases and things like that out there. So they've done a lot of uh, great things over the years. Uh-huh. Well, so far this year, the cherries have had mostly rainier. Uh, extremely, extremely fat, like really yeah, intense and dense and sweet. Yeah, very good sizing this year in the crop. Yeah. It's a bumper crop. I shouldn't say a bumper crop. It's a normal, you know, a little over normal crop this uh-huh. year compared to last year. Last year they they had about a fifty percent crop. Uh, I know the frost came late, and we yep. lost a lot of our cherries. Exactly, Mother yeah. Nature uh, it tends to you know have a, a, a play in all of that. Uh, this year um, things were late. Um, I think you, I heard you talking a little bit la- earlier about um, maybe how they're not able to get all the cherries off the trees right now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of fruit out there. There's a lot of fruit and not not enough pickers and exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, there's a unique reason because of that. Uh, California also had a very late start this year, so they're tr- they're kind of gapping over into the Washington crop. So a lot of those harvesters and pickers are still down in California. Hmm. Many of the oh, wow. producers up here and growers in the Northwest are having a hard time getting that, those, that labor force up into Washington to be able to pick the fruit. Right. We saw that firsthand yesterday. Oh, is did it, you? Is it going to be leftovers on the tree this year? No, I don't think that's going to happen. It's affecting cost of goods out there. I think it's a great opportunity to go out and buy cherries. Mm-hmm, right. um, I've seen some marketing or pricing out there. Uh, that we haven't seen for decades, quite honestly. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so great pricing out there, opportunities to uh, promote cherries. Mm-hmm. Wow. And to preserve. Yes. I mean, this yeah. is the time when, when they're at bumper crop and the prices come down a little bit, it's a good time to do some preserving. We pitted uh, 50 pounds of sour cherries yesterday and uh, made some uh, half into jam, uh, like a Bing cherry sour jam mix. And then we took the rest and froze some IQF. So ready for sour cherry pies come this fall. Looking forward to that at Thanksgiving. Pam is going to be at my house maybe for Thanksgiving. She's been ditching me lately. but uh, Yeah, we but. actually got to see a little bit of that in action at the, uh, at the packing shed yesterday. The coals and different product that was uh-huh. coming off that doesn't go into the retail packs, actually going into bins that they will then ship out for canning and processing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and this time of year, those rainiers, they do well pickled. You pickle them and you have them for the next few weeks and can use them on your fish, your chicken, don't and your salad. Don't they turn brown when you pickle them? No. Nope. nope, they don't, huh? That's so actually, it's the only time they don't get brown. Either that or lots of sugar and uh-huh. cook them with lemon juice. But right. if you pickle them, they don't, they don't turn brown. They just stay and uh, they make great addition to your salads at any time in the next couple of months. When it's really hot in Seattle, and it, it's a great cocktail addition. You make a little gin and tonic and you drop a couple of those cherries in there. It's nice. They always go in my whiskey sour, that's for sure. There we go. <laughs> when, you know, when you're canning them, Chef, those, they have plenty of pectin. You don't even need to use pectin uh, oh, yeah. when you're making jam or, I, or, or that. So. I can, I can um, 
about 150 jars, one quart, every year for many, many years at Rovers of Bing cherries. I tell you, in January, when you open a jar of Bing cherries, that's in your syrup like that. Oh, so delicious. Yeah. That flavor is just uncanny, especially when they're plum like this and they're super ripe. It is so delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything else we need to know about the cherry crop before we get into your uh, Laura next segment and the Yumi brand? Um, nothing I can think of right now. I think Laura's got a lot to say about what the brand is doing and uh, you know how well it's performed for us. Uh-huh. Our guest is John Janker and Laura Severance from Charlie's Produce. We're working on a fresh segment with them uh, for the next few months, and we're going to see how, uh, how to use all this great summer produce that's coming into our kitchens Uh, from around the city and around the state. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Yumi brand on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Stove Kitchen on Cairo Radio. There is so much good eating going on around here. Blueberry muffins, Rainier cherries, bings, fresh herbs from Prosser Farm. And now, Chef, uh, you're eating a tomquat. No, a kumquat. Tomquat. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Bless the you. first of the season apricots. Yeah. The first that we've Absolutely seen. Absolutely. I'm very surprised by the sugar content already. We're being entertained royally by our guests, uh, John Janker and Laura Severance, uh, our partners over at Charlie's Produce. And Laura, you've got a brand in front of you that's becoming like a Northwest sensation. And it's not on everything, right? So it's yeah. not something that you can just go out and look for a Yumi brand, Y-U-M-I. And find it on, you know, on a whole line of produce. You have very specific things that you're putting this brand on over at Charlie's. Can you tell us about Yumi and how that particular cherry gets to be in that particular bag? Absolutely. Well, our Yumi brand started in 19, or sorry, 2019 or 2020 um, with our organic black seedless watermelon, which is a watermelon that's been around for a while. But we decided that this is a really, it is a special, you know, premium watermelon. Let's brand it. Uh-huh. You know, let's put a name to it. Let's give it some a story and a life because it has a story. Yumi is Japanese for abundant beauty, and the black seedless watermelon has a Japanese history. It's where the seed originally started thousands of years ago. So right. we um, we ran with this Yumi. Um, we had a graphic designer come up with the logo, and it kind of just spiraled from there. The watermelon was a huge success, and then we decided to launch um, a, our berry collection with strawberries and blueberries. Uh, and then lastly, uh, this year, we have launched our Yumi cherries 
under the brandy uh, under the Yumi label. So we have Bing cherries here with the red label, uh, the red cherries, and then we have the Rainier as well. So what really um, these are packed by our growers that we just mentioned that we visited yesterday that are in Wenatchee. They have growers all the way down through Prosser, so that's where the beginning of the crops start, and then later in the season they'll be picking up in Chelan. Uh-huh. Uh, they also have some growers in Northern Oregon, I believe, as well. So that way that gives them availability to pick all season long. Cherry season is very short, as you all know, probably about two and a half months. But we're hoping that our Yumi product will be available through um, mid-August. And is it a standard that you're looking for? Is it yes, a size? Um, there, yes. It's, uh, when I was over there, they were talking about they're only picking right now because there's a shortage of pickers. They're only picking... Uh, 10 row or 11 row yeah. uh, cherries and what does that mean and, and what is how does that relate to your brand yes what we're packing here is 10 and a half row right is about maybe an 11 yeah 11 um, and so that's just you're going to get the best you know kind of flesh there the lot, um, it's going to have a, a lot high of meat sugar to the content, seed a lot of yeah. meat to the seed yeah. a lot, uh, good sugar content anything less you know um, smaller than that we will not pack in our brand okay and so do they actually get better as they get bigger? Is that what you're thinking? Or because sometimes with cherries, you're looking for that snap, right? And that's what I loved about the ones you brought this mm-hmm. morning. They had a great snap to them. Right. You don't want them to have any mush in there, Mushy right? Quality. Yeah. Which yeah. is what you were talking about, shit, Terry. Yeah, mush, when you were, right, right. Mush cherry is not so good. No. And that's why we're sticking to that 10 and a half mm-hmm. um, and 11 size. Mm-hmm. So, so, Laura, where can people find this brand? Because it's, uh, it's not out everywhere. It's not, um, but we, we just, like I said, these just came on board the last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So um, we, you can find them at Met Market. They are at Waijamaya. Um, they are at King's Market, actually up in uh, Orcas Island, if you find yourself up in San Juan's. And then a couple of some of the smaller um, local independent retailers uh-huh. here in the Seattle. Yeah, I bought the watermelon last year at Met Market. Yes, yeah. And you're alive. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very cool melon. I mean, if you've never had it, the watermelon. It's really delicious. It's very, it's different. That's definitely what's cool about it is there is no seed. So eating a watermelon with no seed is very cool. <laughs> right. It's a capore, but. They call them black watermelons. They're actually really just a beautiful dark, dark uh, green. Dark emerald green, yes. Yeah, dark yes. emerald green. There, yeah, there. we actually, we have a cut fresh program too for the watermelon. So if you don't, you're not committed to buying a whole watermelon because that can be a lot. Um, we do have a retail pack size in like 8 ounce, 12 ounce, uh-huh. 20 ounce, 24 ounce too that you can find at some, a lot of the local markets. It does really here. well with tarragon, feta cheese, and a few olives on a beautiful slice of a chilled watermelon like that. Uh-huh. Oh. Good salad. Summer is here. Exactly. And, I, you know, it's a little early uh, in this area for watermelon, but, so you must be getting them from Northern Cal. Is that where? Or right. And then California the Washington right crop will be probably in the next, uh, I'd say, late July. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I think is crazy over there, talking about watermelons? I know we're talking about cherries today, but Hermiston, Oregon, Oregon. has a big watermelon area. I just find that the funniest odd place. <laughs> John probably knows why. Well, the Washington and Oregon have great growing conditions yeah. for, for for melons. Uh, Hermanson, that's a that's another marketing. Um, uh, oh, piece. I see. Uh, it's a brand. It's a brand. Yeah. So um, it's been out there for quite. It's some of the first watermelon that were being actually branded as uh-huh. such, uh, and it's taken off and held on for many many years. Well, I hope the Yumi does uh, what Driscoll's did for strawberries and berries out of California. I hope this t- works well for the Northwest. Uh, 
as far as identifying top-notch fruit because that's uh, it's, it's really nice in my mind to be able to trust a brand. Right, right. That's where that's why we you know put a brand to it. It's quality. It's premium. It's also about our relationship with our grower. You know mm-hmm. that we've worked with for years. Um, Star Ranch Growers has been in business for eighty plus years. Um, we've worked with them for however many years, um, and we just know we can rely on the fruit that they're going to provide. Mm-hmm. I looked up their website. It's a cooperative of farmers. It's, it is. It, yes, that's Star Ranch. They have, yeah. they have growers all throughout eastern Washington, even dipping into um, northern or- Oregon. So they've agreed on a certain standard for, of production and cultivation? Yeah, well, most, gr- most growers or packers, shippers that brand their product are, you know, are growers themselves, but also you know, cherries are grown by a lot of different small farms out there. And to be able to bring that volume of product to market, um, typically the growers that have the packing sheds and the facilities to be able to actually produce, get the product in the box and out to retail um, is, you know, they're trading business. They're bringing all those growers' products in and packing. They have strict QC standards uh, that they'll put in place at the, at the packing sheds. We actually, the tour was uh, conducted by two of their top uh, QC guys that are traveling even down in the Chile and in California and other places in the world where cherries are being uh, produced. So uh, that's where the quality standard comes in. Specs are great. We need to have specs, sizing that we just talked about, 10 and a half, larger, um, the certain varietals that we know that are better during certain times of the season. We want to move with the season so we're not an old product coming off of trees that might be soft. We want to be in the newer districts. And, you know, my specs are easy and tangible. Uh, what really is behind the scenes that is not so tangible is all the other stuff that has to happen to make sure that the customer gets a good experience. And I think I, you know, pat on the back for Charlie, he's, he's installed that in all of us. That's going out and seeing these growers, seeing our product being packed, mm-hmm. uh, making sure if we do have problems, which we will, product will come and won't look so good. What do we do to fix that? Do we pull it out of there? Do we knit new stuff? And do we do another delivery in the morning if it's late? Mm-hmm. All of those things combined uh, create this value, um, the, the spec or the the expectations that we have as a company. Right. I think it's, you know, we often talk about chicken coming under plastic wrap. A lot of us don't know how chicken really comes or happens, right? You see it in the grocery store under plastic wrap. You don't really think about produce in the same way uh, because it doesn't seem as uh, hard to get maybe. Because it's green? Well, and it's, you know, you're not killing the chicken and processing the chicken, right? With cherries, you have a lot of effort in the same kind of way that you do a, a thing of chicken. Right. But you don't really think about it in the in the grocery store as much. Yeah, we, when we um, were touring yesterday, it's just really amazing to see that product is getting picked and delivered to their facility same day, and uh-huh. we're you know, and then Charlie's is getting it either same day or next day. I mean, it's a really quick turnaround for how much is being produced, right. um, and in all that time, they have to get washed and sorted and packed, and you know, there's a lot. That, uh, and that is the there. advantage of local. Exactly. You know, Washington State is the number one grower of cherries in the, st- in the nation. I did not know that. <laughs> good oh, trivia. Hey, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're in a good place. So we have a lot of cherries to eat. <laughs> yes. All right. So next thing under the Yumi brand, what people can keep an eye out this summer? Uh, well, right now else? it's the cherries, cherries the and watermelons, watermelons, and our berry collection. Yep. Okay. And would you, are we refrigerating them or not? I'm, I was confused. The chefs had different uh, views. Well, there's nothing like eating a warm cherry off the tree. Right. I mean, that's, that's incredible. But uh, certainly you want to refrigerate cherries. As a matter of fact, cherries typically today, uh, some of the unique things growers are doing is they're hydro-cooling out in the field. So they have portable oh, wow. hydro-coolers. 
And for those that may not know what a hydrocooler is, it's, it's really cold water that they'll put over the bins. The cherries come in bins after they've yeah. been picked off the trees. So they're cooling them at field level, rushing them to the warehouse. Then they go through another packing process that's going 28-degree water yeah. that the cherries are going through wow. to, to bring that field temperature out of them. Very important, or they're going to they're gonna get soft. Right. right. So yeah, that's how you keep their snap. And the green stems. Export cherries going to, to the Asia. You know, they got to have a green stem on them, so that's really important. Because that suggests freshness, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. When we come back, we're going to jump into a conversation with Sabrina Kim, who's the owner of Chaparina and uh, Debop in Redmond. On Cabo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3. FM. We're back in the hot stove kitchen on Cairo. It's been an exciting day so far. Everyone's got their breakfast. What do you have over there? You have chorizo sausages. You have a little Spanish tomate. Uh, tortilla. Tortilla. I almost called it tomatilla. <laughs> and some uh, chard that has been, the, the stems have been cooked separately and then the, and wilted and roasted and then added to the greens with some of our fish taco spice. Uh, so uh, that's what's on your plate. You already had a blueberry muffin. You got cherries. You got herbs. Woo! Woo, boy. Good day. All you need is a glass of wine. All you need is love. <laughs> uh, we are excited to welcome to uh, our kitchen and our kitchen here at downtown, Sabrina Kim, owner of Sh- uh, Shabarina and Debop uh, in Redmond. Yes, that's me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, nice to see you in our in our home here. Thanks yeah, for welcome. having me. Yeah. Thank you. Pamela, you said Sabrina has a very interesting story. Well, she's a true entrepreneur. And uh, like many of us in the restaurant business, had to have a pivot during COVID. And I, I think we'd like to hear the whole story and how your origins then diverged into two different concepts. Right. Tell us everything. Right. I'll, I'll try to. <laughs> we got time. You go for it. Got it. So um, we opened in 2019, October of 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's like four months right before the shutdown. We opened as a we're actually the first and one and only hot pot buffet in Washington State. Yeah, I didn't even know such a thing existed. That is tremendous. I, I think we need to try better in marketing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Well, this is going to be it. Yes, that's why I'm here. So um, so basically, there's a lot of hot pot restaurants that have the sauce bars, but not like a full bar where you could pick and choose your own ingredients. Mm. So explain that before you go on. So you get your bowl of hot pot. Yes. So once and then you come you, in. You like, a, like a salsa bar, but it's Korean condiments. Right. Yeah. So once you come in. So first of all, Shabu Shabu is a Japanese hot pot. Shabu Shabu actually uh, means like swish swish. So you... You dunk your vegetable and swish it in the broth and the meat. So it's like a sound in Japanese. So that's shabu shabu. Um, and me and my husband, we really love hot pot. And there were already like a lot of all-you-can-eat restaurants that had hot pot. But we would have to ask for more bok choy or more napa cabbage. 
and then we wouldn't be able to pick, you know, how much we wanted. Because sometimes I want more Napa over bok choy. I think. So mm-hmm. we were like, you know what? Let's give the freedom to our customers. And we created the whole buffet bar. So when you come in, you basically order um, the broth that you want. And we have two different kinds of meat courses. The premium course is all-you-can-eat Wagyu beef. and yeah. All-you-can-eat? <laughs> all-you-can-eat. And Kurabuda pork. Our house course is just regular beef and regular pork. So you pick between the course. We serve you the meat because we can't leave raw meat out on the buffet bar. Um, We bring out the hot broth for you. You get your own pot to cook. Everybody has their own little induction pot. Mm -hmm. And you basically go have fun at the buffet bar. Pick whatever vegetable you want. We have all kinds of seafood on the bar. And we have our own sauce bar as well. Wow. So if you come in with a party of six, let's say, everybody can enjoy, with, have, have their own fun, right. you know, little pot. Yeah, one, one person can do mushroom, the other one can do vegetables, exactly, the other one yeah. can do... Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a very cool idea. It's kind of like almost the idea of the Mongolian grill yes. meets shabu-shabu yes. kind of idea. Yeah. yeah, and then we also say, like, it's the Asian fondue, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Asian fondue, I like yeah. that. <laughs> Were you in the restaurant bu- business prior? No. So, oh, oh look at Yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, my dad, um, my dad has been in the food industry for 40-plus years, but not a restaurant. He, he worked at a Korean um, company that uh, creates all kinds of sauces, mm-hmm. so it's somewhat in the food industry, but I come from a, I, I'm a jewelry designer before restaurant business. Well, that's almost the same thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> you go I from buffet to jewelry. <laughs> and then my husband was in aerospace. So we were like, wow, do we know what we're <laughs> getting into? But um, yeah, it just happened. Like I said, we opened right before COVID. So um, the first four months, we call it the honeymoon phase. We were busy. People were, you know, coming in. And then right when we had to shut down, that four months wasn't enough. Um, We didn't have that much presence, and we had to shut down. It wasn't a takeout-friendly menu either, because it's a buffet bar. Like, how are we going to do takeout? So we had to create something to do takeout. So we created, like, a rice bowl um, with different toppings, like katsu curry rice bowl or beef brisket rice bowl, pork pork jowl, rice bowl, things like that. And fortunately, thankfully, that really went well. And we started seeing customers um, thinking that we were a rice bowl restaurant and not a hot pot restaurant because of the short amount of time that we were open. Mm -hmm. And we started getting separate fan base for the rice bowls. And then finally, when the shutdown was all done, when we opened up, we had some customers come in super confused because they're like, uh, we thought you guys had rice bowl. Like, is it a different restaurant? But we weren't able to continue that because our kitchen is too small. So we kind of paused it. And then we, we kept seeing more customers wanting the rice bowl. So we actually decided to give it a separate name and a separate entity. And we're right now we're opening as like a virtual kitchen for it. Um, and then just for lunchtime, but we're thinking of actually giving it its own space. So huh. that's how it all happened. Yeah. This is a fascinating story going from jewelry right. to pivoting in the restaurant right. business. Wow. I never knew. And airplanes. Don't forget airplanes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, airplane. Airplane. Where do they fit? 
<laughs> so we're talking with Sabrina Kim. Uh, her two spots, uh, Shabarina and uh, Dubbop in Redmond. Yes. Are, are you staying out there? Or are you coming to Seattle at all? Uh, we're always looking. We're always uh-huh. looking. But it's it's been hard to find a space. So hopefully someday. <laughs> I have one I'd love to show you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, I've showed a lot of people our, our Cantina Lenya space, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, because it's all built out, ready to go. We're going to continue with her. With I know, but I, I want to ask, uh, my, one of my favorite parts about Hot Pot or Shabu Shabu is that little delicious cup of broth afterwards. Yes. Uh, is that yes. something traditional in Korean uh, yes. Hot Pot so also? Basically, you're cooking vegetable and meat. Eat. So at the end, it's it's gold. So yeah, it's like, gold. yeah, it's yeah. gold. <laughs> we we have a regular customer. She would bring in a stainless steel straw uh-huh. and just sip it all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, thought you, I thought you you were going to say she's bringing your matsutake mushroom. Right. <laughs> just put them in there. When I was in Tokyo, uh, we ate at this very fancy shabu shabu mm-hmm. restaurant with a. Uh, uh, A5 beef and oh, all that kind of stuff. And so A5 beef is basically 75% fat, right? right. So when you when you uh, cook it into the broth, you get this nice, <laughs> lovely sheen of beef yes. fat on top. And then you sip it slowly. And, oh, so, so good. <laughs> More with Sabrina when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Back in the kitchen here at the Hot Stove Society with Sabrina Kim. She is the uh, owner, along with her husband, of Shabarina and Dubbop in uh, Redmond. For exactly, uh, they are at 2720 152nd Avenue Northeast, number 130 in Redmond. Is that like part of Redmond Town Center? Where is that in Redmond? Um, it's part of uh, Avalon Estera Park. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it's right next to the new... Um, the link station that's coming in closer to the Microsoft campus. I see. Yeah. How convenient. You can just take the train right out right. there. Yeah, it's right that there. That sounds very strategically <laughs> located. So uh, let's go back. I was I left the last segment talking about the broth. Mm-hmm. And you've explained that you uh, part of your job in opening this restaurant was developing the broth. Yes. So is there a traditional way of going about this? You know, I always think in my head, whether it's bones or seaweed or whatever the, your base is. Yeah. Tell us about your broth. So we have five uh, kinds of our steady broth, and then we also have a uh, daily special rotating broth. But the, f- the first five, we try to keep it traditional. The absolute too traditional shabu-shabu broth is the original kombu, where we use bonito and kelp and so soy sauce. Bonito is dried uh, um, fish, fish flakes. Fish yeah. flakes, yeah. And kelp. And kelp and soy sauce-based broth. And then we have the sukiyaki, which is very similar, but much on the sweeter side. So on the sweeter side? Yeah, sukiyaki is much sweeter. And so how do you sweeten it? With sugar or with mirin? Or with sugar with and sugar. mirin, okay. yes. Both? Both, yeah. 
And um, we have our spicy miso, which is basically like miso soup, but very spicy. And we and have so that's our- kombu, right, as, as a base? Yes. yes. Kombu is always the base, except oh, for okay. our uh, creamy vegetable, because okay. we need a broth for our vegetarians. So we have a creamy vegetable broth where um, we use a lot of onions that go in it. So the broth, that's what makes it like creamy color. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then our rotating broth, we have um, we rotate between a Hokkaido miso, which is a much more dense miso broth, um, the mala, which is a Sichuanese peppercorn spicy broth. Um, we have curry sometimes. Um, we have a chicken scallop broth. So we rotate that um, daily. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, those are our main broths. So um, c- can we stop there for one second because I'm a little bit confused. So... You have the dashi broth, it's yes. your base yes. for all your broth. Yes. And so when you do a chicken scallop broth, mm-hmm. you take that base mm-hmm. and you're adding pieces of uh, roasted chicken or are you adding dried scallop or how do you get your oh, base? So um, the, the chicken scallop, we, we use chicken bone uh-huh. and um, scallops in it, but there's no, um, when the soups come out, it's just broth. It's strange. Yeah, it's yeah. Strange. But you're yeah. using like, a, are you using dried scallops in your broth? Yes, yeah, dried okay. scallops. Okay. Because yeah. I think that's confusing sometimes is how do you get to chicken scallop broth right. and not have chickens and scallops in your broth? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, those kind of ingredients, especially scallop, you put them in the broth, you can't. Keep yeah. them in the broth because yes. it would be... No, no, these are dried scallops, so it's, it's more oh, intended true. for that. That's true. Yeah. With fresh scallops, I think we can't get that flavor right. to right. come out. Right. So. If you go to Hong Kong or any place in Asia like that, you'll just see tons and tons of dried fish of all oh, yeah. sorts uh, in that way. Like so. dried anchovies. Yeah. Like the, I, th- I think dried fish in Japan is like croutons in France. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't waste anything. Yeah. <laughs> Don't so do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's like... It's not like we need to do that anymore. Right. But it's also it's a traditional flavor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, like I said, you, you get to pick your own broth, but it's very interesting how everybody starts with the same, let, let's say everybody ordered the original kombu broth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're starting with the same broth, but at the end, depending on what ingredients you've been cooking in it, it all tastes so different. Right. So at the end, um, you could put udon noodles or egg noodles. We have vermicelli. And we give them an option to do like a porridge where we give them rice, eggs, and some condiments uh-huh. Ooh, to nice. cook in that broth. Like yeah. a congee yes. kind of porridge? Yes. Wow, that's so, so good. good. That's huh. the best part. But just everything tastes so different. So that's the fun part. And I see a lot of customers like all tasting each other's broth. And they're oh, like, really? Just yeah, they're, they're so amazed. They're like, how did that happen? You know? Because uh, so, they all started with the yeah, same thing. They, yeah. yeah. No, that's very cool. So that's the fun part. Okay, you got a newbie coming in. Oh, go ahead. How big is your restaurant? Um, I mean, we, how many seats? We have about 76 seats. Oh, okay, so yeah. you can bring a group. Yes. Because yes. I think it's a fun thing to do as a group. It is. You know, we between definitely four see, and eight. And, yeah, you know. we definitely see a lot of corporate um, groups coming yeah. in and bigger families. So tell us how you build yours. What, what's your favorite combination of ingredients that, that you've come down and said, this broth is the best Today. I've ever tasted? Today. So it, it's different every day. On a rainy day, I like to do this, do that. But my absolute favorite is always the original kombu. And, of course, I love doing the wagyu. Uh-huh. And, um, is that because it, the, the fat comes off of yes. it? Yes. Because once you, once you cook the wagyu, uh-huh. I mean, a lot of that fat is gone now out of the meat. It's right. in your broth. But it's in the broth. It's in the broth. So you're just kind of, it's like picking crab. You're kind of saving the meat yes. for the end. <laughs> saving the best for last. Yeah. Um, and then I like bok choy. 
and for our sauce. So everybody's different. Some customers like to do just the ingredients, but I really love our sauce bar. Uh huh. So um, I like our chef's special sauce, which is made in house. I love dunking everything in there. And what kind of sauce is it? So chef's special sauce is a spicy sweet soy sauce that we make in house, and it's very creamy. Uh-huh. So when you dunk your meat and vegetable in there, like it, it makes this creamy flavor. I, I love it. You have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> we're on our way. Yeah. Yes. On the way. Yeah. <laughs> so how many days a week are you open? Uh, we're open every day. Um, we just started opening our lunch service, eleven to two thirty, and then we have a break. And for dinner, we open from five to nine. On Friday and Saturday, we open from 5 to 10. Excellent. All right, Go to well, Redmond. It's a quick drive on 520. And it is. And is, <laughs> the, is the transit open to your area? Not yet. Not, not quite, quite yet. yet. Yeah. Not quite yet. I know they had some issues on the bridge with some bad cement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been talking with Sabrina Kim, owner of uh, Shabarina and uh, Dubop uh, over in Redmond, over there by the Microsoft cam- campus. Uh, I would go in, ask for the Sabrina special. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll have it ready. <laughs> Coming up, it's time for Hello Robin. It's not like you haven't had enough sweetness and deliciousness already. Robin is here. To talk She's about sweet and delicious. Absolutely. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show 97. It's not like you haven't had enough to eat here already today. We're adding some cookies to the mix because that's what we do here. Robin Martin is here to talk uh, cookies and uh, the Capitol Hill hotspots that surround your location, if that's okay with you, to share some of the love, what's going on up on the hill, and also your new spot in U Village. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Just keep on growing. It's fun. U Village has turned into one of the top attractions in Washington State. The amount of people that go through there is crazy. And kids and dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Are they all cookie lovers? They are. It's so vibrant. and It is. It's just, it's fun. Who, who, is it uh, the developer, Stuart? Stuart Sloan. Does he yeah. get the credit for the vision of that environment, you think? Or? It's, it's him and um, Susie Plummer. Uh-huh. Um, they curate it, dream right. it. Yeah. And, and Stuart's office is right above Hello Robin. Oh, good. And so I don't let him pass by without me opening the door and shouting at him. And Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just so proud of, of that creation and it's that the infrastructure that they put in to have that green lawn i don't know i just love it you were smart to go in there oh thank you yeah uh we're talking with robin martin of hello robin cookies and uh, you've been on here before where you hijacked my chocolate chip cookie i was scared to have her back she was proud of it uh no we had such a good time with that it was super fun we still have that conversation. You know, we talk about what percentage of chocolate in a chocolate chip cookie is a reasonable percentage. And I think Robin's on the side of you can't put too much in. And I'm on the side as you have to be. I like the cookie part of the chocolate chip cookie. 
So well, you can put too we've much. We've been having a fun argument over the years of uh, of that concept. Because if you flip the cookie over, you need to be able to see the chocolate. If you don't see the chocolate, I hear applause. <laughs> I hear applause. If you get a cookie and you flip it over and you do not see the chocolate, that is not a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Um, I think the nail went a little bit deeper in the coffin. No, 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 no. We don't disagree on that. It's it's what percentage. So, for example, I think that we I think we got started because of the chocolate chip cookie at Met Market where they put three or four different kinds of chocolate in it and it's like you can't put too much chocolate in it. And to me, you can. And then Robin and I were just, anyway, it's an inside joke at this point. So uh, happy to have you back. And uh, tell us about uh, Capitol Hill and uh, all the shining moments that are happening up there right now. It seems like, a, other than our friend, dang it, Rachel, uh, who's gone now. But uh, uh, what else is happening up on Capitol Hill? It, it is exciting and it's vibrant. And um, I, I feel like... The streets are busy again, and it feels really nice. You know, the sun is out, and um, there's a lot of good restaurants. So this week, uh, we walked over to Kadai McCann, which uh, used to be down on Olive, and it was kind of um, like a, I want to say, hidden little spot. And now that old brick building that was, I mean, it was lovely, but yeah. it was, uh, small. But it moved. Mm-hmm. Um, it moved. It, it sold, and the new owner um, opened uh, Taurus Ox on 19th and Kadai McCann on 15th. And they are both really delicious. And um, I think Kadai McCann is Indonesian. I could be wrong about that. Um, and the, it's just like packed full of herbs and all these interesting flavors and things that you would never make at your house. Um, and so I, at least I wouldn't, I wouldn't attempt it. Um, and I had the best meal there the other night. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. really good. How close is that to Hello Robin? You're, you're still on 19th, is yes, that right? Yes, it's yeah. walking distance. Okay. Yeah, so you could. So you have monsoon right across the street. Oh my gosh, us. which yeah. we love. We absolutely love it. I'm there, I'm there often it. too. It's not far from my house, so. I love monsoon. I think it's steady. It is. You know, it's been there, God, how, how long? 20 years, I bet, yeah. Probably. And it's, you never, I've never had a bad meal there. Uh-huh. It is consistent. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I miss really the chicken good. place that used to be there right across the street. <gasps> oh, Kingfish. Kingfish, yeah. Uh, that's what I miss. Where'd those beautiful too. women go? I know. And they, when they closed, they promised that they were going to open and that we were going to see them again. And Just I'm happen. still waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, although Rocket Taco that's in that spot now is a family favorite. Oh, good. Yeah, my kids love it. My kids walk down. They get tacos. And that's a good place. You know who put that whole neighborhood on the map was the surrogate hostess. Remember uh, Robin uh, Woodward's um, a little place called the surrogate hostess. And she went on. I mean, that was when I moved here 45 years ago. But she went on to open the 1904 downtown, which is the restaurant that I bought for the original Dahlia Lounge 35 years ago. Oh, wow. She still lives up on Orcas Island. Well, the surrogate hostess, I feel like it introduced communal tables Mm -hmm. to Seattle, Mm -hmm. you know, because they had that really big table right in the middle. And then. You would sit down and meet neighbors. Classic and, kind of coffee house culture there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah grumpy staff. and <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Granola, steamed eggs out of the espresso machine. Oh, that's really good for the machine I hear. <laughs> do you let your kids walk down by themselves? or Now they do, yeah. They do. Yeah, they, they go Because everywhere. your oldest uh, can keep an eye. Oh, my God. My oldest graduated from Garfield High School on Monday. Oh, my God. Congratulations. 
Yeah, that's super duper exciting. And so he's kind of our trailblazer for finding interesting restaurants. Like he introduced our family to Aladdin Euro, which is in the U district. It's right on the Ave. And um, it is a hole in the wall and it has the best euros. And you can I'm get so like, happy to hear that. I'm so tired of going to these euro places that all have exactly the same euro. Bought from the same company and a frozen in a box. Nope. Yep. Nope. They're making it there. It's really good. Oh, good. Um, except for they always want me to take them there. And uh-huh. I'm like, no. <laughs> so they get on a bus and they go. You have um, long hours at the 19th. Why is that? Do people eat cookies into the evening? They do. That's when we really peak. You know, after dinner, it's like an activity. It's something to do. Oh, so it would be, yeah, that's great to go for a little stroll, get a cookie. Yeah. You can get a scoop of Molly Moon's ice cream with a cookie on top, or you can get two cookies, a sandwich, and you can customize it at Hella Robin. Whoa. Yeah. What, what's your uh, top combo? My in a, person, in a, the one that I eat? Yeah. Okay, mine's weird. So I like, we have a, a habanero orange cookie. It's spicy. Like a sugar cookie? And no, it has chocolate chips in it, of okay. course. Uh, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, a molasses cookie and a scoop oh. of strawberry ice cream. Oh, my God. Okay. It's weird. It, you have to like flavors and you have to like bold. If you're boring, then you could get, actually. Oh, a challenge. If you're boring, I don't, well, actually, if not boring, if you're just not like, if you're not like. Yes. If you're not super adventurous, you could get chocolate chip with vanilla ice cream. And that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Is that the top seller, though? It's pretty popular. That or our birthday cake. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Your question, your first question, though. When I was back visiting my mom last uh, in Newark, Delaware, at the University of Delaware, which is kind of what Newark is all about, the the cookie shop there opened at 10 o'clock at night and went until 4 in the morning. Because there's a lot of, turns out there's a lot of pot smoking at college. (laughs) No. people get a little hungry, and so they have a little delivery service for cookies. Is that Insomniac or something? Like, is that that place? Uh, No, no, no. It's a local, it was a local place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they didn't even open until 10 o'clock. Just saying. We open at 11 a.m. because I, we have cookie needs all day. There you go. And until 10, so people are... Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, let's talk about that when we come back. Uh, some of the hot seasonal flavors that you're getting, uh, your new shop in New Village, all the different things that go with uh, Hello Robin Cookies on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. Oh, C is for cookie. That's good enough. All right, we're back here in the Hot Stove Kitchen on Cairo. Robin Martin is here of Hello Robin Cookies. And let's get a couple of things cleared up about cookies. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Yeah. No, 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 you're a cookie expert, so we're asking you for your expert <laughs> advice. Okay. Because I think um, people at home often make cookies, and probably they're only their favorites, right? And then they'll buy out other cookies that they're not as confident in. So what makes a successful cookie in your mind? And I'll just give you an example of what I think. Okay. Number one, I like a cookie that has a fairly soft center, unless it's intended to be a crispy cookie. I like a little bit of brown on it, which I find a hard, hard to get. And um, I like ingredients, uh, plenty of salt, and I like ingredients that pop. So like I just had, I'm not sure what that was. Was that a butterscotch chip? Yes. Yeah, it, to me that popped because of the salt. It was cooked enough, yet it was still soft-centered. It was a perfect cookie. 
what am I? What would you tell people at home to be more successful in making cookies? Well, okay. First of all, the cookies that you guys are all eating were baked last night. Oh my god! I, did, not I know. Fresh. I know. Oh so they're like you know twelve hours old, which can give me a little bit of stress because I like them really fresh. Like right. Uh, warm hour, or not. Oh, I love them warm. Love them warm. Oh, my okay. God. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love a warm cookie. Um, so the butterscotch cookie, you like that one because it has um, different kinds of flour in it. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a little bit of whole wheat flour. So oh, it gets good that, idea. So, yeah. So little it gives t- a little nutty taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it has those butterscotch chips and it has um, oats and but ground um, oats. I didn't taste whole oats in there. Yeah, ground. And then it has um, Malden sea salt on top. Okay. So you're getting a lot of flavors, and yeah. um, I, I, I think, think that's people a good undersalt cookie. their cookies. Mm-hmm. They think they don't think. Well, it's a sweet cookie. It's not supposed to be salty, but salt really is a balancer. I agree. Yeah, it's a yeah. great finisher. Yeah, I think so. And it also looks pretty. Yeah. So um, our chocolate chip, I, I love our chocolate chip. You know, that's eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep you two apart today. <laughs> He's going to throw a cookie at me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hope. Um, so, you know, it has all the, I'm looking, I'm staring at it. It has like, you can see plenty of dough and then you can see that there's a lot, like we are generous with the chocolate chip. And we use really good ingredients. And, um, I mean, chocolate's expensive. If we wanted to cut our costs, Very, we yeah. would we would not use these um, expensive chips. We would not use the, the, for in our birthday cake cookie, oh, my God, those sprinkles. And the chips are so expensive. So when I'm looking at your chocolate chip cookie, and we have them cut here in the kitchen so we can kind of see all the way through it, I see a nice little brown on the bottom. Uh, it does look a little bit rare in the center. That's intentional, right? Well, to a certain extent. <laughs> well, that's how it stays soft in the center. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like them too raw. To I don't like this cookie. trend, though, of underbaked where oh, you good. can taste the flour. I don't we like that. We agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. It's really bad for you to eat dough that's not cooked. Yeah. And it also tastes like raw flour, and I don't like yeah. that taste. Yeah. And then, but yours is also, yours doesn't spread like a lot of chocolate chip cookies spread. And I think the spread comes from what? Too much fat? Yeah, for sure. Or if you melt the butter. Or if you, you know, melt a lot of times people, it'll say like room temperature butter and you forget to take your butter out. And so people put it in the microwave and then it goes too oh, far. And oh. that is like, that should be illegal. Uh-huh. Um, so that means that your cookie is going to be flat. Okay. That's a, that's a rookie move. Rookie move. <laughs> and so, so if you're listening at home or right here in the studio audience, don't be a rookie. Yeah. Just the, just the you know, just have a stand mixer if you, if you have a stand mixer and just cream it, you know? Uh-huh. Well, it'll be just fine. And it really does it. cream with the sugar, right? Yeah, you, totally. It really does cream. Yeah. 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 And yeah. two minutes, it's soft and. Yeah, you're fine. Don't melt your butter. I see what I think is two different kinds of chocolate chips in here. One's a flat cut, or is it just a broken chip? I think it's just broken. Oh, okay. So tell us about the chocolate chips themselves. Oh, my Do you gosh. you just buy Nestle's right off the Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're QFC big. Shelf? Yeah. I yeah. thought it was Hershey's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a combo of the two. No, um, we use a lot of really good chocolate, um, and different cookies call for different kinds of chocolate. So if you have our whole wheat chocolate chip, there's a Calibo chip in that one. This one is a semi-sweet and it's um, guitared. Um, we use Theo. Now, do you match the chocolate, like you said, the whole wheat chocolate chip cookie, 
Why do you use a different chocolate chip? Is there a, a match there? Well, mostly because I wanted to name the cookie the okay. whole wheat fancy chocolate with sea salt. I see. So then I set out to find fancy chocolate. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's a darker chocolate. It's 64%. Um, oh wait, actually, that one is a cocoa berry, 64%. And mm. I love cocoa berry chocolate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's such a good line. And it's I a good love, worker. Mm-hmm, it is. And they have... In my opinion, the um, cocoa powder from Cocoa Berry, which is in our flourless cookie. You guys all have our flourless. Oh, you had it. I see empty plates. It's all gone um, now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for eating uh, eating the cookies. Um, the, the Cocoa Berry chocolate is like a dark, um, like an orangey brown. I mean, as much as you can be passionate about cocoa powder, I am. And um, it makes it so beautiful in baking. Mm-hmm. And they have a new line with even more new... Um, Variations, mm-hmm. so it's flourless. The 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 dark one that you guys ate wow. is flourless. Yeah, oh. we oh you guys we are so good about allergies. We are nut free, and we that's why our chocolate is um, important to us because we don't have chocolate that's processed on shared equipment, and we have gluten free, and we have vegan, and we have gluten free and <laughs> vegan. Like you know, we have something for everyone. What is gluten-free and vegan cookie? What flavor is it? Okay. It is an oatmeal cookie. Um, oh, I love oats. And it is really nutmeggy and cinnamon. And it is like a traditional, just really delicious oatmeal cookie. And if mm. you tell me that you know that it's gluten-free and vegan, maybe this is where we should go head to head. Um, I, I will challenge you because you cannot tell. And people always say, oh, you can't tell this is gluten-free and vegan as you're like have a mouthful of sand. Um, I promise you, this is a delicious cookie. <laughs> because of the spices. Yeah, it's just, it's really good. All right, we just turned the clock on summer. Anything coming up seasonal that yes, way that yes. uh, we should know about? Right now, our seasonal is strawberries and cream, mm. which has been a fan favorite for, you know, almost 10 years. We're going to be open 10 years in December. Crazy. <gasps> Oh. Amazing! I, I cannot believe it, and I'm so busy in my head um, planning our 10th anniversary party and parties, and maybe we do a cooking class here or something. Fun. Yeah, Let's do it. yeah. yeah I would class. love to do that. So, okay, so right now it's the strawberries and cream, and then I think on July 1st it turns to it's a corn, a blueberry corn cookie, uh-huh. which um, one of our bakers best created a couple years ago um she's been with us like nine years and um she's like i have this idea yeah so we're i love yeah corn and blueberries yeah, we yeah, already know combo yeah. and it's sweet and savory and it is very popular people get excited about it how, how can people incorporate fruit in and be successful in their cookie making? Like the strawberries, are they freeze-dried? Or yeah, they you, dried or so they... you have to use dried or freeze-dried because the water in it just, or use it as a topper. Because when you bake it in, it just, it kind of makes a mess and gets mushy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain ingredients that you try and use that just kind of don't work. So, yeah. so same with blueberries. And yeah. corn, uh, I would imagine the same thing. You have to yeah. use. They make all those freeze-dried uh, vegetables now that are kind of wacky. Yeah, they are. Um, but you can also use, you know, cornmeal and you can use, uh-huh. you know, corn flour. There's a lot of. And then uh, we have one minute left. Uh, U Village, uh, where are you located? Oh. And when people take a stroll, what time should they come in that there's not a line out the door? Never. <laughs> um, well, 
Okay, so we so we're in U Village. I kind of don't want to tell you my secret, but I'm I'm going to tell you. Oh. Um, if you okay, so we're in the New West Garage, which is the that's my hot tip for parking. Yeah, park in the New West Garage because there's. Like, people don't know about it still. I know. There's spa- always space there's there. There's always space. And you walk right down, and the cookies are right there. Mm-hmm. And then when you walk by, you can, you know, we bake, we make and bake all of our dough right there on site. Um, and, you know, there's a big island that you can sit around, watch the cookie-making process. Um, mm. You can smell it. Usually at 11, right when we open, there's usually a line just because people have been kind of waiting. And then it'll die down, and then after lunch it'll pick back up um, and then go into the night. And it's really fun, you know, because we're right near UW, so mm-hmm. lots and lots of students, tons of kids, lots Cookies, of dogs. Cookies, college, and pot. <laughs> right. And you village. And you village. Yeah. So right. is never enough. Yeah, right. And our cookies are small for a reason, you know. You can get, you know, six different flavors and eat six cookies and not feel badly about yourself. And At least the I dough. Don't. Will you talk about the dough? Oh, and so the new oh, dough. Yeah. You can find at Ballard Market, right? These yeah. classic chocolate chip cookie dough pucks. Yeah, so we're doing frozen bake at home dough, which really started during COVID. Um, and you can find it at PCC Markets. Town and Country Markets, Met Market. There's 42 different stores in Seattle. Wow. Um, And, you know, I got to say... Tom and I were talking. This is hard. <laughs> it's hard to do a wholesale. Pam, no, she's yeah. got a couple retail things. It's very difficult, <laughs> and to make a living. I mean, that's so hard because you're you're cutting your. So you're using a distributor, I hope. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. I used to drive them around in the back. Right. Of my Robin, are you? Uh, is Robin woman enough to stay and challenge us? She with is. Trivia? Oh, oh my okay. God! Don't even ask. Okay. Remember she kicked her butt last time. I don't time. remember. I but I want a prize. I want to. I want to take home once I get to pick anything in this uh, space to take home. Of her ever being on the show before. <laughs> on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three. Breakfast can wait. Breakfast can wait. You really put it on me. You shut it down last night. I thought the police were gonna come. I want another slice of a rhubarb tart. I want another lovely slice. I'm not disparaging the blueberry pie, but rhubarb tart is oh so very nice. A rhubarb tart, a rhubarb tart. We are back in the hot stove kitchen on Cairo Radio. We're joined by a couple of special guests for our food for thought tasty trivia. Our uh, uh, Kalista. Weisbach is here. She is the winner of our Mother's Day Stove Staycation, which you sent a picture of your pink appliances from where in Alaska? I grew up in Juneau, Alaska. In Juneau. A trailer, and all of the appliances in the kitchen were pink, including the washing machine. Yeah, it was a pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty nice kitchen machine. you got. <laughs> that was so awesome. Thank you. We had so many nice entries, and you got picked by Miss Pamela. Our I producer. love pink. She loves pink. And Robin Martin is staying, who has the delicious cookie shops called Hello Robin both up on Capitol Hill and over now at the U Village. Rub with Love Food for Thought Tasting Trivia is brought to you by our multidimensional line of spice rubs and sauces that will fuel your creativity for a wide variety of dishes. We have an exciting limited offer of an all-star rub in honor of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game coming here in mid-July. It's delicious. I made it on ribs the other night. Mm -hmm. So fantastic. It's, I double smoked because, you know, our rub is smoked, and I, did them, I smoked them on the... Incredible. Oh, my God. Uh, will you tell us how to play the game and uh, tell us who's going to win? Because <laughs> you you're, the, you're the controller of the questions. Well, each of the contestants is getting five questions, 
and someone's going to get the most right. So we, Calista and Robert are teaming up against uh, the uh-huh. poor little chef and I. I like it a lot. Uh-huh. Girl power. Fine. As we like to say at Hot Bring it Stove. On. All right, let's try it. Let's try starting with the chef in the hat. Go ahead. Looking very handsome today. By the way, the, you get to pick out three rubs from our gift shop after the show that are on me today. Whether you win yeah. or you lose. Yeah. <laughs> I know how that works. <laughs> she listens enough. Go Craig. ahead. Uh, number one, what are the two vegetables used to make fishy soie? Leeks and potatoes. Exactly. Well, that was an easy one, Chef. Congratulations. I, I know. You're right. That was a good one. What is the main ingredient of sauce lyonnaise? Uh-oh, is he going to choke on his croak? No, no. I'm just trying to think what the main... I would say bacon or salt... salt. Uh, or what if it started with an O? Oh, the egg, you mean? Oops. Let's start with an O. Onions. Oof. In French. No. Um, My research was onions. onions. Do you make your Lyonnaise a different way? Well, you, no, you, you use onion, but I, main ingredients? Mm-hmm. You can have that one. This is multiple choice. What is the name of the vegetable that is also a flower? Is it a radish, broccoli, or green bean? Broccoli. Correct. Which state produces the most potatoes? Oh, it's a trick question. I know. Correct. And finally, what bean originating in East Asia is used for making oil... Miso and tofu. Soybean. Five out of five. These were very. Uh, you ladies are in trouble. I, uh, I haven't had easy question like this in a long time. <laughs> I know. That was easy. I missed you last week, so I was just like. Wow. She thought you didn't so, come to the show because you were tired of. That's exactly why I wasn't here. Trivia. Yeah. Uh, Robin and Kalista. Uh, n- this is multiple choice. Name the country that grew the first orange. Was it Brazil, China, or Canada? We're going to say Brazil. No, China. 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 Oh. <laughs> okay. China. <laughs> what is the world's most popular green vegetable? A lot of discussion going on over yes. there. Yes, ubiquitous. Well, Kalisa thinks cilantro, but I, but I, I think it's more like broccoli or spinach. Or what if it were in the base of a salad? Lettuce. Lettuce. Oh wow, that was good. I'm guessing you're going to give that to him. She's totally giving it to us. Of course, correct. She got the right answer. She's giving us also for Brazil for oranges. That's how she what, works here. What is the main ingredient in borscht? Beets. Yay! <laughs> what fruit has more protein than any other? Grapefruit, avocado, or pear? I would think avocado. Avocado, oh. it is. And true, this one is true or false. The following vegetables in culinary parlance are actually botanical fruits. Bell pepper, cucumber, eggplant, green bean, okra, pumpkin, squash, tomato, zucchini. True or false that they are actually botanical fruits? I would say false. Those are nightshades. Are they, they have true? Seeds. I think it's really true. It's really true. <laughs> really true. Fruits. Robin, that was the best comeback I've ever seen. Best. 
I was just thinking out loud. It's undeniably true. They got four out of five. Wow. Fruits and vegetables comprise four out of five. Different parts of the plants from which they grew. Fruits come from the flowering part of the plant and contain seeds. In contrast, vegetables are the edible parts of a plant, such as leaf, stem, roots, and bulbs. Tom Douglas. Yes. Olive fruit is pressed for what? Olive fruit is pressed for oil. Yeah, olive oil. Um, it's married to Popeye. This is multiple, <laughs> multiple choice. Spices like allspice, black pepper, paprika, vanilla are derived from what part of the plant? The root, the leaves, or the berries? The roots, the leaves, or the berries? The berries. The berries, yay. At the 1893 uh, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago World's Fair, what kitchen invention took the top prize? Multiple choice. Was it the dishwasher, the microwave, or the electric knife sharpener? The electric knife sharpener. <laughs> it was the dishwasher. dishwasher. In the 1893. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? I feel like I did all the dishes back then. Uh, food safety time. All cut, peeled, or cooked fruit and vegetable should be refrigerated within how, how long? Less than two hours. Exactly. You yeah. passed Whoa. your serve safe. I did my serve safe. And finally, multiple choice. Potato skins, along with honey, are a folk remedy for what in India? For burns, measles, or diabetes? Boy, you would hate to think it was diabetes because adding (laughs) honey to that. But you never know what they were thinking when they had these things. I'm going to say burns. Yay! Four out of five. Everybody's tied. Everybody's tied today. That Everyone's means that Kalisa gets to go to the gift shop and uh, pick out three rubs to take back to Juneau, Alaska with you. Thank you so much for coming down. Wait, where do you live now? I live in Puyallup now. Oh, good. Well, it's right next to Juneau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the world map, that would be very close. If you want to be part of the show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas & Co. Or buy a ticket to join us here in the studio like these nice folks did here today. Show is produced by Pamela Hinckley. Sean McFadden is our technical director, and our talented editor at Cairo, editor at Cairo is Sean. Don't call me Del Torre. Remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show, you're a loser. <laughs> or you can listen on <laughs> listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and no, you're not a loser. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you.